Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about platform engineering, and we really try to figure out what is platform engineering and why it's necessary and how to make it work and how is it different than DevOps. Uh, and so during the course of that conversation, we really hit on the challenges of building automation teams, of building automation in scalable ways, and frustratingly never really came up with a particularly good answer about what is a platform team uh, and why it's important to your organization, even though, like a lot of companies, you're probably building one. And that is what you should listen to understand in this podcast. Enjoy. So for today, what we'd identified talking about was roles and goals of a platform team. Um, platform team is this emerging concept. I don't, I don't think it's particularly new, but it's an emerging concept of, of trying to have a cross-functional group that helps uh, wrangle uh, operations across different teams, right? Development teams or, or platform teams. And they've, they've sort of been set up the way we used to look at IT in an enterprise as sort of a unifying body to, to bring together uh, that experience. And so it's, it's a really hard job. I'm interested in hearing if people are having success or seeing success stories with it, what experience they're trying to do, and then what, how would you know that you're actually accomplishing platform team goals? Um, is that, does that make sense? It's, yeah. The platform team um, differ from the DevOps team. The DevOps, they, they might not. Um, DevOps generally, and this is a feature, I'm air quoting feature of the DevOps community, is to not want to be called a thing or a team or a job title. So DevOps typically works towards I'm a process. And like for a little while, it looked like SRE teams and SRE teams do this also. Um, we're going to be the place where you would go to get, you know, DevOps, a lot of DevOps action. Um, but yeah, I would cut, I don't think there's a problem calling it a DevOps team, except that the community in DevOps <laughs> resists that, uh, the definition. It, we, we can probably think of a platform team as the implementation of, DevOps uh, methodologies. DevOps. I there, I agree with you. Although I think that we 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 see it as in DevOps, you sort of hope it's going to get spread across, and like SREs, platform teams sort of do a lot of the DevOps lift without trying to you know shift it into other teams. The automation lift. And this is my perception, though. I I'm not I haven't interviewed enough. Uh, platform teams to give you a concrete, you know, statistical sample. But that's the idea for the conversation. Is that? Is, am I? Am I in left field on that, or should we redefine platform team? Well, I kind of sort of think that platform team, in lots of ways, like DevOps, two three years ago, is self-defined. So. Your definition is as good as any because there's not a standard as yet. And actually, <laughs> yours true. is a pretty decent, decent, um, semi-ideal view of a platform team. So that's not a bad place to start from. So, so 
Rocky, I have a question for you on that. Um, because I haven't seen DevOps really catch on, and you know, certainly not in Verizon. <laughs> I mean, it's not yes. for lack of trying, <laughs> but it's just fundamentally a concept that our operations teams just don't get. Um, so, and maybe DevOps has taken on, has, has been more successful in other areas. I'd be curious. Um, but in telecom, it seems to be a struggle. So um, I suspect, especially, so telecoms has some, some unique aspects uh, compared to a lot of, uh, compared to FANG. Uh, and that is, it needs to be reliable. It is mission critical. And so there's going to be a lot more conservatism of, well, it works right now, don't break it. And baby steps. So it's going to be uh, evolution rather than revolution. And a lot of this DevOps stuff, um, from what I've seen, is coming from uh, lots and lots of startups and lots of companies that would in the past possibly be considered enterprise uh, level companies. And part of it, part of DevOps actually grew out of a frustration from developers not providing what was needed to actually get product working uh, for a SaaS model or SOA model? Well, I think there's a little bit more to that as well. Um, DevOps, Definitely. in a sense, is, is kind of idealistic and, and that ideally you would have your developers responsible for operational issues on your platform. In practice, what what's what what's happening from my experience or what, what I'm seeing is that developers have no interest in and, and or they, they, they don't have the technical knowledge and they don't have the interest in acquiring the technical knowledge to address operational issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which I, 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 I think this is might be where where the, the where the the scent of the, the platform team comes from is that we were seeing that practice is not uh, matching the, the ideal situation of DevOps. So we're coming up with a compromise. We're, we're saying, okay, we have a team that can help interface with the developers and with the and with the infrastructure team and, and kind of help guide them Work, to work together. It just doesn't mean that, that DevOps practices aren't inherently bad. It just means that there, there was a need to uh, shift the stance. And I, I'd like to point out, uh, Klaus is, is right on on a lot of this. Um, and that's why startups have DevOps because you have to wear money hats. And so the developers are a little bit more willing to do some of this other stuff. But look at the platform team almost like the operational operations version uh, or production version of agile team. 
you have some of everybody so that you come up with something that works and continues to work. And and going back to to, to Beth's comment about DevOps not catching up in in, in telecom, I I suspect this might also be partially related to the need to to provide certain guarantees, not only on the service, but also on implementation. So you need to have your security review of your of your code. You need to have the security review of your infrastructure. This invariably means that you need to have at least two teams because self-review just doesn't work. We know that from the and the developers know that. That's why we have QA teams. Um, but it inherently it, it also means that you need to have one team so submit changes, whether that's a pull request or, or however, and you have another team reviewing those changes, um, which then means that you are putting a roadblock in uh, in front of the DevOps strategy. Um, hmm. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Um. Because, I mean, let, let me ask you another question. DevOps seems to work really well in the gaming industry, right? Hmm. Um, and part of it is because they're relying on cloud, which they don't, you know, they're not managing the cloud infrastructure. Somebody else is managing that for them. And so they can make changes, you know, continuous changes. I mean, there's plenty of stories about, you know, code, you know, they do, you know, <laughs> They do hundreds of changes a day, right? Um, which obviously in the telecom industry is <laughs> never going to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I agree with that. I think it's look in the startup world, it's about growth. So you're trying to grow a business, mostly SaaS, right? So as you grow, you need to scale it out and scale the operation. Um, and then in gaming or other applications where you're rolling features out fast, you need an operations team that can roll out subsets of features to different users and so on. And that's a whole new skill, right? So Netflix, for example, at massive scale does that. <clears throat> and I mean, that's I, also, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry. I, I thought you had finished talking because of the post, but uh, continue with saying what you said. I was just saying that, you know, telco doesn't sound like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- there is the matter of, of what your SLA is between yourself, your company and, and your customers. W- what is the risk of a change? Uh, DevOps, one of the, the, one of the core tenets of, of TelOps is, is the adoption of CICD, right? So. Uh, and with that, the assumption is that small frequent changes are less risky than big infrequent changes. Uh, that mm-hmm. is true in the pure software world where you where you have a quick recovery process. But once you start dealing with 
stateful components or physical components. If you push out a firmware that causes your customers to be, become inaccessible unless they independently download another firmware and, and slash their drive, that that not can no longer be of under the umbrella of continuous delivery. Yeah. And that's the that's part of the part of the, the key is when when infrastructure, real honest to goodness infrastructure has to be part of the design and the, the flex, um, it's a lot harder. I've talked to a Disney DevOps that he's he was full stack. He had no idea what what went on below his interface to AWS, and he didn't care. And that's just not how uh, telecom infrastructure. Telecom infrastructure has real infrastructure that has to interact with everything you do. It, it doesn't so mean I, that's not possible ahead. either. Uh, sorry. No, well, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying, it, it's, it, it doesn't mean that it's not possible in, in the tel telecom world. It just means that the infrastructure needs to be able to support this as well. So going back to the example of firmware upgrades, if a firmware upgrade fail, fails, is there a is there an automatic rollback uh, feature that lets you retry it or, or, or recover the last good non-configuration? And we, we, we know with, with, with routers, we, we, we can uh, we, we can like apply a change and, and if not, just restart the router and um, unless we saved it, uh, we're, we're back to good known, that the last good non-configuration. Uh, or or with switches, so like fabric switches and so on. Um, but not every device supports that. Right. The the thing that I, I guess when when you're talking about firmware and platform teams, from my experience, that's a little bit different than what companies expect their platform teams to do. Although I don't know why it should be. Um, is because the goal of the platform team is to create a consistent process across the board. Um, boy, I, so and I, I guess I talk. I just talked myself into a cul-de-sac. So I'm trying to figure out where to go. So, um, um, yeah, go ahead, Beth. Yeah, I was going to give an ex actual example of some serious pain that was caused by. Uh, so we had. We had to do some firmware flash updates to some uh, to our platform, our universal CP, to support um, <clears throat> uh, support our. Um, we had a we have a shim. I'll call it that if for no other thing. It's just the hypervisor plus you know the orchestrator tool. So it's it's a mini cloud. Um. And the logistics nightmare of doing this remotely for thousands of units and, you know, limiting the downtime, because remember, these, these, these boxes are being used for routing, right? Um, so routing functions, so you can't just willy-nilly turn them down and turn them back up again, and hopefully they will come back. <laughs> so there was actually significant work 
put into figuring out how to do this um, so that it would, you know, meet all the criteria of limited downtime and avoiding sending somebody out to the site to do a power cycle if it got hosed. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's real life logistics issues. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a real life example also of when things go wrong is Facebook. Yes, yes. Well, that was just stupidity on their part. <laughs> yeah. I, among many other things, but but yeah, it's it, like it. And, but at least they only had to go to one site. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not sure what happened last night, but uh, I think something along those lines happened with Comcast too, because all of Central California from uh, below Monterey to above Napa Sonoma was down for at least an hour. Hmm. Well, Comcast is never going to admit. <laughs> oh, I was nasty last night. <laughs> um, I mean, going back to your question, Rob, about yeah. uh, about whether well, the, like the, these issues are in scope or out of scope. Um, oh, yeah, it, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I just did a Bay Area. If if we <laughs> if we consider the the, the scope to, to to only be a matter of again bridging uh, the, the the developer teams and on, on the, the infrastructure teams, mm-hmm. um, and where where do you want? Which direction were you meaning to take this then? Like uh, about were you talking? We're wanting to talk about uh, practices, I would, uh, pitfalls. I would, I would no. I like I like where we're going. I was I was I was thinking towards KPI. Um, because here's here's what what I what I what I see is that the level of consistency inside of an organization in DevOps practice, um, meaning com- teams trying to use DevOps and then use tools that support those practices is, is very low. So from a platform team's perspective, most companies are using a whole bunch of tools and automation and following practices that that cross, cross I don't know that they cross silos. That's the thing. They, they, <clears throat> they're DevOps tools within their team, and they might cross practices within their team, but from what I see is they don't do it very well across teams and they don't do it at all where two teams that are different use the same underlying components. So when I look at a platform team, the goal here is to say, all right, let's make it so that our our practices are portable and reusable and consistent across teams so that they can be audited and checked. I mean, to your, your point about, you know, having, there's no such thing as a single team that doesn't, that, that can audit their own work. Um, um, so I, I see platform teams as, as addressing the, you know, we're not, we're, we're actually adding a lot of complexity. We're adding a lot of um, risk if we're not being consistent in how we use and how we, we approach uh, yeah. automation. Uh, it it kind of sounds to me like you're describing a a software system architect 
there. Uh, basically, <laughs> requirement specification and documentation for implementation. Um, perhaps what the platform team adds on top of that, uh, and this is a this is related to the one of the the, the hurdles that, that that I mentioned in in, in DevOps process adoption is that you can you can set up a process that is normalized across your teams. You can provide the tools to to implement that process, but ultimately, the knowledge about using those tools ends up being silent. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is not. It's not necessarily by the sun. It's just that, again, many de developer teams have no interest in adopting <laughs> or, or, or learning Terraform, for example, or, or Ansible or anything like that. So and, and conversely, the SRE teams don't have an interest in that either. Like their job is to respond to... to to incidents, not to provision the infrastructure. So you, so you have this gap in between the two of them, where you are fitting the what we, what we're now calling the platform team. But I mean, if if you look at this a couple of years ago, this is what what will have been called the DevOps team. If, even though we know that DevOps, <laughs> even implementers though implementers don't like the term of DevOps team, <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, the, the, but but ultimately, when when you look at job postings and and on some hires for a DevOps engineer, this is what they're expected to do. They're expected to take the requirements from the developers for deploying their application. They're they're expected to provide the tools to deploy it, and they're expected to provide the configuration on that. On that so deployment. they become developers, basically. That's the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, I mean, the, just programming at a infrastructure level. isn't, I mean, that, this is what we need to do with infrastructure is code, to, in, in, right? Yes. To me, part of the platform team is actually saying we're going to treat our infrastructure as a, as a platform. And yeah. Provide people with an API for it and be consistent across the board and, and, and do that work. So, um, and that's so what, Rob, what within, yeah. within Verizon, we have we have sort of two that that responsibility falls into sort of two buckets. You know, we have the operations, the NOC people. They're not coders. They're not doing DevOps. They're just, you know, responding to tickets. Forget those guys. We then have the network architects and the operational architects. Those are the guys who figure out what the processes are, they document them, they design the systems to do this operational support. They're not DevOps in the traditional sense. Uh, they don't do a bunch of, a lot of coding, but they're definitely architects. Um, they do do a lot of requirements. And then they work with our developers who, who in our case kind of fall into under the IT bucket to, to do the actual development of the code. So we've kind of split it. I mean, that's a very traditional way to do it. Um, and 
So I don't, we don't have anybody that I would properly call DevOps. I, I, I don't think we have a, a group that I would properly call DevOps in our organization, but the functions kind of fall between two groups. So I think that you'll find, I'm not sure if it's Google or Facebook. I know neither one of them, I don't, I think use DevOps. One of them uses SREs and something else besides SREs. And the other one uses operations team and something else. So Facebook and Google both recognize that there is more of a, a team kind of thing where you have to have uh, players in different operations uh, uh, disciplines and they just don't use platform and they don't use DevOps yeah. as yeah. names. Uh, uh, along those lines, also LinkedIn uses SRE, but they have three different kinds of SRE. <laughs> they, have the, they have infrastructure SRE, they have application SRE, and they have in-between SRE. <laughs> I, mean, I would sense, be in in-between actually. SRE. I, I <laughs> yeah. I mean, the number of people who have operational and uh, uh, operational skills and development skills in the same person, you know, is very few and far between. And they yeah. tend to wander into architecture roles. Yes. Which is why I, I made a comment earlier that, that like when what that what Rob was describing in, on a on a platform team is is an architect. Yes, uh, very uh, much so. Yeah. Yeah, but would you know it's interesting because because I would call myself an architect at this point, and but I never really you know there, it's not something you train for, <laughs> it it's it's just something where oh you know enough about all the systems that you can kind of fit them all together. Oh, now you're an architect yep. because yep. how many people know all that information? <laughs> yep. yep. And, and and by the time somebody somebody like does the the architect training or certification. That, that's really just formalizing what they already knew. Yeah, correct. I, I mean, I, is there a, are there even certifications around architects? I mean, right. CKA. Not, not, yeah. I guess part of, and, and this is where I come back to KPIs, because in what we have right now is it's, what I see people are doing this team by team, doing it cross organization. That's the, I mean, that, that's the d distinction with the platform team is to try and get the, the company to leverage, you know, do, do things the same way across the board or reuse, reuse practices. Um, right, we're, we're saying, hey, we want to do more DevOps, but we're, we're not saying we want to, I mean, there's actually the certification is a good example. There's no DevOps certification. Nobody knows if they're doing it right or consistently or best practices. They might be automating stuff like crazy, and it, it could actually be bad practices that they're right. automating into place. Um, no, nobody agrees on, on what should be on a certification either. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm old enough that, you know, at some point I had the title systems administrator, uh, which okay. involved a lot of awk and Perl scripting you know, and, and, you know, Unix sure. coding. And, um, you know, that was just, you know, automating the 
the dumb stuff, right? I got tired of typing the same thing six times a day, so I would just automate it. Um, and so when DevOps first became sort of the hot thing, I guess about 10 years ago, they pulled out a whole bunch of people who'd been in the business for a long time because they'd been doing it forever. <laughs> um, but all they were doing was just automating processes to make their lives easier. <laughs> That's right. I, but so how do you judge, right, that somebody's doing a good job with that? That to me is where the KPIs come back to. It's like, we, we know we want to automate this stuff. We know people have the experience, but how do they? Well, if you're seeing an improved, you know, approved efficiency, right? So I, again, I'll use an example from the, that Verizon actually just put in recently. So we had a, um, a turn up process for, you know, new sites, uh, you know, for, you know, going out to the site, putting the system in, and then there was a whole bunch of check checks. There's like 200 steps um, to make the site be put into the production systems, right? This is from, you know, service deployment into service production or service assurance, we call it. And there was like, we finally documented these 200 steps that a hundred of which were being done manually. And it was taking like two weeks for these, each of these sites to come up, um, you know, and that doesn't scale very well, right? So there was a big project to automate that as much as possible. And now like 80% of the sites are now, or 90, some pretty large percentage of the sites are put through this automated script that just goes through this checklist and, you know, basically says, oh, okay, everything's green. So it's fully in production now. Great. And the customer can sign off. We send them a note saying, hey, I passed all these things. It's in production now. And if it falls out, you know, then somebody looks at it and checks. So that's an example, I would say, of DevOps, where we went through and yeah. you know, the KPI is obvious. Now, instead of taking it two weeks, you know, the ones that go through the full, the full checklist take, you know, two hours. Um, <laughs> and it's automated, you know, nobody looks at it. <laughs> Was that built by the team that that was doing it, or was that part of a like like how did how did that improvement get cited? Um, it was actually initiated by the operations team. We have like a I don't know what they're called, but they basically go through and look for operational efficiency uh, uh, you know opportunities, and so that group you know, identified that. Then of course we had to, we had to capture all the, the process steps that took a while. I mean, it, the whole thing took like six, eight months to put this into it's place. Hard. Yeah. It's I, very what, what's one of the things I think about, you know, about this, that we, you know, we underestimate how <laughs> I, I deal with this every day, but um, I think in, as an industry, we underestimate how hard well, it is to build good automation. It is. Well, plus, of course, the complexity of the, you know, the 20 different systems that get touched in the process, right? Because this, if you think about that, this is an end-to-end -end operational thing. So you have to check against, you know, the order, you know, does the stuff that get put in match with the order? Does the stuff that get put in, was it all flowed into our, 
into our management database properly with the proper parameters? Was, you know, was the equipment set up correctly? I mean, it goes on and on. As I said, there's 200 mm-hmm. steps to this thing, yes. <laughs> um, which touches probably easily 20 different systems. Yeah, and, and there we go back to the KPIs aspect as well and, and your metrics of success, um, which would be, a, if I am allowed, I would also like to segue this into another metric of success, which uh, should be um, how easy is, is it for the platform team to allow self-service uh, of an established process between the, the, the teams that they're bridging. Uh, because otherwise, if the platform team ends up being the, the sole bridge, bridger, um, if I may use that term. Um, bottleneck. That, yeah, it, yeah, you end up having a bottleneck. Um, like it, it, if if the platform team is the is the only one that that is submitting Terraform modules for new applications or or uh, or what uh, if using GitOps like new new, new configurations mm-hmm. or, or whatnot, uh, they're end up being the bottleneck. But and in a small yeah. in a small company in a startup that might not be the problem uh, because I mean you typically one or two teams. But the larger your company becomes, the more teams you need need to interface with. And your platform team, it's not, they they could potentially scale to to meet that demand, uh, but they likely wouldn't be able to scale in time to to meet that demand effectively. Right. Putting putting, Putting the bottle, like you're saying, putting the DevOps into the process after the fact. Right. Um, and, yeah. and so what Klaus is saying essentially is the pr- platform team needs to be kind of like Beth's architects where they provide uh, standards, directions, and best of breed, but they also have to provide ways for, like Klaus said, self-service. So essentially be the uh, the technical committee for the inner source that makes everything run it, it goes beyond that i mean it, not not just a technical yeah. committee not 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 just the one implementing an opinionated system and, and making it available but also providing like doing the knowledge transfer and providing self-serve training if the, the yeah. if the platform team needs to train every New developer team to on how to use their the the systems that they've implemented. Then that's a failure because the platform team will not have the time to do that, and and the developer teams are if they if they need to interface with the platform team every single time in order to 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 learn how to implement something. Eventually, the, the platform team is going to say. Oh, I'll, let me just do it for you. And then we go back to the previous right. problem of them being a bottleneck. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. But the people, so interesting, getting back to the whole concept of platform team, 
the the people who who do the kind of work that I was talking about, you know, operational efficiency, driving driving the automation, tend to be people come out of the operations background. So they've they have some combination of you know <laughs> having been on the front lines of you know editing the configs with a good understanding of operational processes and you know how how ticketing systems work and how you know the workflow through an operation you know how operational workflows work those people are the best people to identify the areas of improvement yes that's true uh it did it also brings up the problem is that inherently those people are then a small subset of an already small pool of available people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not a huge number of them in Verizon. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, we're not talking about hundreds or thousands of people here. Which we go back to them being, I'm, I'm thinking through the, doing the work for them or providing the, the frameworks and training. But uh, I mean, enforcing in, in order for you company to say you must follow these practices, you have to have KPIs that are demonstrated as beneficial. That's why I keep coming back to the KPIs. Is yeah. it somebody somewhere is going to say, don't do it, don't invent it, <laughs> follow what this team wants to do? And either the team needs to be involved or the team needs to train, they're they're still a bottleneck in making this stuff happen. And nowadays people just say, I don't have time need to get this done i'm gonna do it my own way there, there's also like even even moving forward um there, there's there's also the, the risk on the other end uh, of of becoming too rigid like if we say it must follow this way um eventually we we, we end up with a situation where the problem doesn't exactly fit the solution space and we end up trying to, to fit a like a square peg in a round hole, um, and, and this is this is probably part of of the the reason why DevOps certification is a problem, or like best practices, like defining best practices is is a problem. Is that the 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 best practices uh, that are are recognized are very domain specific. If you fall outside of that domain, your team, whether you call them DevOps team or platform team, needs to be able to recognize that the current opinionated system does not fit into the, the problem that they're trying to resolve, and they need to be able to make the necessary adjustments to provide a solution for this new problem. And that, again, is where Beth's uh, architects come into play because those architects are system architects who look at all this stuff and have a, uh, a view into it, but they might not be totally hands-on, but they actually see the operations, the workings, the processes that are going on, and they can see the process mis mismatches. So whereas these 
these architects need to both be systems. They also need to be process engineers where they yes. understand yes. very much so. Yeah. How things interconnect and where the processes, what processes are optimized for each different silo segment and how to connect these disparate processes so that they work optimally. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And on that topic, on like on on the matter of, of architecture and, and, and like solutions engineering, uh, or whatever you want to call it, there, even though there's no specific certification for that, there is formal training for that. When when you look at the curriculum for software engineering. No matter what university you go to, there is a software architecture com- component of that. There's, there's going to be a course on that. There's going to be a course on systems architecture as well. And what, what you learn on, on those courses is transferable to, to cloud architecture as well. Like you, you, Starting from the basics, like low uh, low coupling high high coherence uh but but even going further to things like um detecting deadlocks and 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 system bottlenecks and so on so that the the formal aspects of of that knowledge they are fairly consistent across the board uh it's just that we haven't gotten around to the identify them individually and said, you know what, these should be the core of knowledge that a platform engineering team or or whatever you want to call it needs to know. Hmm. Interesting. I like where you went. Uh, and we've this has been a theme for us in the past about training and consistency and knowledge and, and pieces like that. Um, and so the platform team needs to be a matrix type of team with with strategic thinkers on board to make it all work and decent communication skills to talk to each of the different stakeholders. And that's, yep. that's the issue. The, the stakeholders have to have quick, the team needs to build so that the stakeholders have the ability to have some autonomy and, uh, and still play within the bounds. Yeah. Uh, now we don't, you don't necessarily need to have those skills in one single person. You, you can have uh, you can have one person that, that that can handle communication well, one person that that can handle the um, the the implementation parts well. But you need but if you split it among different people, you need to have good synergy among them. Uh, yeah, to, you need a yeah, you need a strong team. I mean, it, you yeah. can have you know cross cross skills, but the team has to be worked together. Yeah. You know, yes. I mean, in the operations teams in Verizon, the, that team 
is they're all seasoned. I mean, they're, they've all been with Verizon for a long time and they've all been in the trenches for a long time because you can't, you can't do it. You know, you know, hiring somebody out of school as an intern, is not going to work. Uh, I actually That's disagree on that. Says, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is not going to work all the time, but I have worked throughout my career with exceedingly bright interns who did not know the technical aspects of what they were dealing with, but they were great problem solvers. They were out-of-the-box thinkers. And their ability to pick up on, on the problem and, and pick up the and learn the, the, the tools meant that in two, three months, they were able to work at the level of an intermediate admin who was rigid. Yeah, that that there is some truth to that, but you need at least somebody who's seasoned in there. And unfortunately, I have oh. to drop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the challenge. I, yeah. I, we have a there's a need in industry that we don't know how to measure and we don't know how to train for. <laughs> yeah, uh, and again, like the, uh, as Ben says, like you, you you need to you need the training, you need the knowledge transfer, and and, and that is. That's, that's always the problem. Hitting, you were hitting transfer. one of my my biggest my biggest points on on the infrastructure as code pieces, is that without collaboration, you don't have infrastructure as code. If you can't, if people can't collaborate across teams, then it's not really infrastructure. Yeah. Sorry, I would agree. Uh, I'll, I'll die. I'm going to die on that hill. All right, everybody. <laughs> thank you for the great discussion. I have to go. Appreciate right, it. Cheers. We'll keep we'll keep Thanks. going next next week. Bye yeah. bye. So sometimes the best answer in a podcast is we need to keep talking about it. Uh, and this is really one of those podcasts. Uh, if you were thinking about how do I improve the DevOps SRE team automation outcomes for my company uh, without it just being a team by team decision, then please join us at the 2030.cloud and come be part of these really constructive conversations where we're trying to figure out how to improve our industry in repeatable, sustainable ways. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.